From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, presbyopic IOLs and stone soup, part one. Uh, corneal multifocality and, and specifically things such as spherical aberration in the cornea or comma or secondary astigmatism are all things that can increase your ability to see up close. First this. This year's ASCRS annual symposium was great. I learned a lot that I'm applying to my practice right now. If I have any complaint, it's that I couldn't get to all the sessions I wanted to because some of them overlapped. That's why I'm so excited about the new ASCRS Media Center. More than 1,300 sessions from that meeting are now available through this great new resource. See what you missed or revisit the most interesting sessions. The Media Center is free to all meeting attendees. Stay tuned after the podcast for more information. Remember the story of Stone Soup? Some hungry travelers walk into a village with an empty pot. The villagers, who initially had been unwilling to share their food with the travelers, become interested in why the travelers are carrying an empty pot. The travelers explain that it is to make stone soup and convince the villagers to give them carrots and potatoes and other garnishes to enhance the flavor of the stone soup. In the end, of course, the villagers taste the soup and find that it's wonderful, the stone being entirely incidental to the production of the actual soup. After my conversation with George Baiko, I'm beginning to wonder whether presbyopic intraocular lenses aren't a kind of stone. Since presbyopic lenses are often calculated to be slightly myopic, could this degree of myopia itself be the source of the patient's ability to read? Dr. Baiko recently published results of a study designed to examine whether this slight myopic target, which is often calculated asymmetrically, would produce an equivalent amount of reading ability in presbyopic and non-presbyopic correcting IOLs. The interview will be presented in two parts. We'll hear part one today and pick up where we left off next time. Before we discuss accommodating IOLs and mini monovision, how important is pseudo-accommodation with conventional non-accommodating IOLs? And, and, and what are the sources of, of pseudo-accommodation? Um, I, I think if I can take a step back a little bit, when we look at near visual function, which is what we're concerned with and, and trying to see how well people can function uh, with a close vision, we tend to call that accommodation. And what we forget is that accommodation is only one of the processes that's involved in achieving near visual function. So um, accommodation is well-defined. Accommodation has to do with what happens with the lens and has to do with um, what happens to the ciliary body. There are different theories, but in essence, if you look at what happens in accommodation in phacic individuals, you see that there's a contraction of the ciliary body, there's a change in the anterior and posterior curvature of the lens, there's a change in the thickness of the lens, and there's a displacement of the lens. So if you want to talk about true accommodation, you have to show either one or more of those features. Pseudo-accommodation basically um, defines all the other processes that may be involved in allowing somebody to see up close. Together, you know, we get near visual performance. So if we look at previous studies that have looked at 
cataract patients to see um, near visual function, what we'll see is that there are some patients, when we target them for distance vision, get near visual acuity. And in those studies, you'll see that 30 to 40% of patients are able to achieve near visual function of J3 or J4 when they're targeted for distance with monofocal IOLs. And that's in the literature. And, you know, probably the biggest study was with Roger Steinert when he looked at the array lens and they were doing a perspective study to see, um, you know, how people functioned and to show an advantage with the array. So we know that there are other processes that are involved that help people see up close. And these are the processes that we call pseudo-accommodation. And the numbers that are given to this are about one to two diopters of effect. So, you know, one of the things that allow us to do that, well, as it turns out, probably the, the most important thing is pupil size. We all know what the pinhole effect is, right? So if you have a, a pinhole, you can see um, things up close. And that can actually account to about two diopters of effect if the pupil is smaller than two millimeters. So that's one way of achieving that. The other sources of pseudo-accommodation are things such as leaving some residual myopia. So if you target minus a quarter, minus a half, minus 75, that tends not to have much of a, an effect on the distance vision, but it will increase the near vision. Um, leaving a, a little bit of astigmatism with the rule of astigmatism um, can give you an advantage for near visual acuity. Uh, corneal multifocality and, and specifically things such as spherical aberration in the cornea or comma or secondary astigmatism are all things that can increase your ability to see up close. Very important is motivation. We know that if we, you know, if the patients want to see up close, they'll try harder and see up close. Um, and then we start getting into other factors such as processing. We know neuroprocessing helps us a lot. Recognition is very, very important. We know that when people are looking at things, if they have clues, so they don't necessarily have to see things in focus, but they can use clues that are there to help them uh, decide what they're seeing up close. And then a very, very important thing that a lot of us confuse as ophthalmologists is depth of field and depth of focus. So depth of focus is the, the, um, the distance at which things are in focus, which is different than depth of field because depth of field is a little bit larger because things can be slightly out of focus and yet you can recognize it. So a lot of studies will do depth of field because that's a greater in a measure that allows us to measure near visual acuity. So all those things are pseudo-accommodation. So there's a lot of factors that are involved. All those things, you know, if, if, if you're looking at near visual acuity, you should be trying to see what the contribution of all those things are in, in terms of your patient. And they can either work toward improving it or taking things away. So if you have somebody with large pupils, obviously that's going to take away from the near visual performance as opposed to somebody who has small pupils. You compared the Technus monofocal intraocular lens, a crystal lens accommodating IOL, and a tetraflex lens. I'm familiar with the Technus and the crystal lens, but being in the U.S., not with the tetraflex. Uh, can, you, can you tell me a little bit about it? Uh, the tetraflex is uh, a lens that's uh, a, uh, an acrylic, hydrophilic acrylic lens that's um, designed to move... Uh, or to be flexible within the eye. 
Um, it's available in Europe, it's available internationally, and it's also available in Canada. Um, it's, as I said, hydrophilic acrylic, so you know it's injectable through a small incision. Um, I'm not sure what else I can tell you about it. Uh, it's designed to go in the bag, and it's designed to sit anterior, so flex anteriorly, as opposed to the crystal lens, which is designed to sit in the bag and to flex posteriorly at the end of the case. George, what is mini monovision? Okay, so um, I think we have to go back a step here. This study was sort of the culmination of a lot of work that um, I've done in the past looking at how accommodating IOLs may work. Um, the first study that we did, we looked at objective measures of accommodation. There are essentially three objective measures of accommodation. You can uh, measure displacement, you can measure with autorefractors, and you can measure with um, wavefront abrometers. And we used something called the COAS system, which is a, a, um, a wavefront abrometer that's able to measure uh, at high speed changes in the pupil size, in the refraction, and the high-order aberrations. So over a 10-second period, we can have patients accommodate, relax accommodation, and measure them. And when we use that system in phacic individuals, we were able to reproduce the curves that, that are being published for accommodation. So we took our pseudophagic patients with these various lenses and looked at them and found that there was minimal uh, evidence of objective accommodation uh, as measured by this COAS system. There was maybe a quarter of a diopter advantage in some of the lenses, but what we found, interestingly enough, was that in some individuals, in all the different set of pseudophagic patients, there was uh, measures of accommodation, and that seemed to be related to spherical aberration, but it wasn't consistent across any group. It was just certain individuals. So when you, we knew that from looking at um, accommodation that we couldn't show that with any of the lenses. So we said, okay, well, there might be a possibility that there's other mechanisms involved, some type of advantage to these lenses that may give them near visual performance. So the best way to kind of control for this, we said, okay, let's make sure that we measure all of the parameters that we know about pseudo-accommodation, try and control for those, and see if an advantage comes out. One of the, uh, the um, pieces of advice or direction that the companies give when you use these accommodative IOLs is that you target myopia, either you know, minus a quarter, minus 75 in one eye, uh, and minus 75 in the other eye. And this is what we call mini-monovision. So the mini-monovision is, is, is a strategy that the companies have advocated. And if you look through you know, the various brochures, that's been advocated for the crystal lens, and it's been advocated for the uh, Tetraflex. So what we said, okay, well, if we're going to follow the advice of the manufacturers, then our traditional monofocal IOL, our control group, should be targeted for the same amount of mini-monovision, minus a quarter, minus 75. We'll end today's interview here and pick up at this point next time. George Baiko is lecturer at the University of Toronto and assistant clinical professor at McMaster University in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. His paper, Comparison of Visual Results with Accommodating Intraocular Lenses versus Mini Monovision with Monofocal Intraocular Lenses, appears in the January 2013 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery.
Here's some additional information about the new ASCRS Media Center. Almost all of the 2012 ASCRS ASOA meeting was audio and video recorded, and there are now more than 1,300 sessions featuring almost 1,000 speakers available online. You can view the general sessions, ASCRS paper sessions, symposia, films and posters, plus select courses and ASOA sessions on business management. It's essentially the entire meeting anytime you want, and it's all available through the new ASCRS Media Center. If you attended the meeting, your Media Center access is free. If you're a current ASCRS or ASOA member but didn't attend, you can still see everything that you missed for the member price of $199. If you're not an ASCRS member, you can still purchase the Media Center, or better yet, join us and get the lower member price. To view the 2012 meeting through the Media Center, visit the ASCRS website at www.ascrs.org. If you're already a member, log in first and then click the Media Center link. If you're a guest, just click the Media Center link at the top of the page. From there, you can purchase the Chicago 2012 package, or better yet, join the ASCRS and receive the discounted member price. Ask questions of Dr. Baiko or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.